Hi, warrior goddesses. Welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Gaze. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon. And I'm your other host, Angel. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending like it all makes sense. No. That would be foolish of us, wouldn't it? But we are fools. Darling, I am no fool. Oh, okay. Well, I'm a fool. <laughs> no, I am a fool. I'm the fool. I am a fool on the journey of love. Oh, how is that journey going? I think it's going okay. Yeah? Yeah. I think so. Well, only you would know. <laughs> yeah, I don't have anyone chronicling the journey for me. It's just me. Well, I guess some of the other voices in my head are <laughs> yeah. working. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> what voices? I'm sorry, what? Who am I? Where uh, am I? Who are yeah, who are you, honey? I'm Angel Lopez. Yes, you are. I am a writer and a producer of films, uh, and a, an astrologer and a teacher and a queeler. Queeler. Whoop whoop. Queerdo. Cuisinart. Queasy <laughs> a Quizimodo. A Quizimodo. Uh, who are you? I'm Brandon Alter. I'm your husband. I'm also a queeler and tarot reader. I'm a tarot teacher, an astrologer. I teach astrology next to you. We just finished our 11-week Chart and Soul class. I miss Shout our Chart out. and Soul family. Yeah. We love you. We miss you. Come back. <laughs> um, and I'm also a writer and uh, a creative and a mystic and a wizard on the road. A wizard on the road. That'll make more sense That'll later. That'll make more sense once you listen to our fabulous spirit talk with the incredible and effervescent Kumbi Butler, mm-hmm. who's a dear friend of ours and an amazing yogi. And we just can't wait to deliver this conversation straight to your earbuds. Yeah. She merges like yoga and astrology in a really cool way. So uh, I think you all will find that really interesting. For sure. But should we just do a little check-in? Please. So check-a, 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 check-a in with me, babe. I'm doing relatively well, I'd say. It's been a busy week. I'm managing it as best I can, (laughs) I guess. Good for you. Thank you. I, you know, I really am. It's interesting. I have this Mars retrograde going on over my Venus and Mercury in my 12th house so it's this like really interesting like esoteric space to be having the planet of action triggering you know Mm -hmm. and I think it's particularly like going over my mercury I've been thinking a lot about it sort of being like a reaction you know like like Mars retrograde allowing us to see how we react to things Mm mm-hmm And I think I've just been like seeing how I react even just to my own thoughts, my ideas of self, um, my self perceptions even in some way. So it's been a good time to really reconsider. It's almost like my Mars retrograde is a Mercury retrograde on some level. Oh, interesting. And maybe because I have Mars in Pisces natally, I'm it's it's feeling strangely at home there or it's like okay i know how to do this work but i think the most interesting thing has just been about like continuing to come into my own sense of being 
really accepting myself on all levels. Particularly, we've had this really interesting conversation recently about weirdo and the term weirdo. And I want to talk about it just because it's come up a couple of times. And we were having this conversation the other day about how when you talk about being like a queer weirdo, I said to you, I was like, it almost like triggers me, you know, because like I was literally teased for being called a weirdo in my past. So it was almost hard for me to own that or accept it. And I think on some level, there is something to be said about taking the term and owning it. And I even had the visual of that moment from The Craft. I don't know if you remember that movie, but where the bus driver drops the four girls off and says to them, you know, be careful out there. There's a lot of weirdos around here. And she says, we are the weirdos, mister, or something like that. And um, Great dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> On some level, like own that, but we had the opportunity to share space with these amazing creatives last night um, through the help of one of our gazers, Jess. Shout outs to Jess. Shout out, Jess. And in that discussion, I mentioned the term weirdo and sort of owning it. And one of the other creatives participating said, hey, I would caution you about using that term because it's none of this spirituality that we're talking about is weird. Right. And, you know, shouldn't be like have that connotation. What's weird is that like it's not talked about in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. And sort of, yeah, promoting inner work and, and spiritual growth and all of those things that really like resonated for me and connecting in one hand understanding like yeah the, like that using the term weirdo in this safe space I think is really valuable and helpful and for me I think I need to own my own sort of inherent weirdness from an external societal standpoint but at the same time know that like it isn't technically weird and I am not weird as far as society would consider that. So I think I'm definitely like stepping in with some of this 12th house Mercury and Mars combo and just like getting a fire lit under my inner weirdo and letting and, and really now like working on integrating him in a bit more so that it's not just like angel, I'm a weirdo. It's just I'm angel. And this is everything that comes with me. Yeah. Well, I think the etymology of the word weird, right? Like I think of the weird sisters in Macbeth is really about like being magical, about being able to do supernatural things. Like that's really the true definition of weird. You know? Right. Like it's electric and crackling and truly magical. Yeah. But yeah, I think even I sometimes for as fucking weird and waving my Aquarius freak flag, like even I sometimes don't want to come off as like too spiritual or too new agey or like hope you don't think this is too kooky and i've kind of gotten to the point now where i'm like you know what like fuck that yeah how are you i'm grouchy as hell okay great cranky i'm grouchy i'm feeling this new moon square saturn i just you know i'm i'm having a moment you know i pulled a muscle in my back picking up a rock trying to take a Pilates class. Mars retrograde is really like, you are not going to work out until I go direct. It's like, first don't house, even honey. try. I know it's in my first house. So I burned myself and I pulled a muscle in my back and somebody should just put me in like a soft room until November 14th. Yeah, somebody was asking me during a reading today, like, do you use the first house or the second house more as the body? And I was like, uh, I, the first house. Yeah. Like the physical experience of having a body, first house. And uh -huh, yeah. You're really amplifying that <laughs> choice for uh, me. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I just, you know, so I bought some more books and I'm going to do some light stretching and that's about it. 
That's good. Well, you have a great metabolism, so you'll be fine. I know. I just like miss, I miss fitness. Of course. Of I course. Miss it. You know, I couldn't really work out with the burn and I'm just gotten to the point where I feel like I could start doing it again. And then I, I'm not in my twenties. I can't just like pick up a heavy thing without thinking about it. No girl. <laughs> so slow it down. I'm learning, 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 learning. Aren't we all? Uh, but other than that, I'm doing I'm doing fine. You know, I think I shared with you recently that 2020 has actually brought me some of the most profound joy I think I've ever experienced in my entire life. That just with like all of the distractions being stripped away and just being able to engage with what's right in front of me, there's just a lot of really simple joy and a lot of laughter. And I can't believe I'm not sick of you yet. So... <laughs> Here's to 2020. Yeah, here's to 2020. <laughs> Not getting sick of each other yet. <laughs> that's a win. Totally is. So no. that's my check-in. All right. Well, lovely. Let's do a little quick segment for the gazers, and then let's roll right into our spirit Yes, talk. I want that. So before we get all spiritual and shit, let's take a little dose, dose of reality. reality. So truth be told, we're not watching nearly as much TV in these past few weeks as we have as we have been. I know. It's nice. Yeah. I miss it. I miss it too. What sort of reality should we fill the gazers in on? Well, the only reality we're really watching right now are the ladies of Potomac. Can't stop, won't stop. The gifts that keep on giving. Truly a phenomenal season. Albeit a little hard to watch. There was some violence that happened. One of the housewives is refusing to acknowledge how out of line she was, which is very frustrating when you see somebody just acting so badly and then refusing to take responsibility for it. That's always very frustrating. Yeah. Uh, Karen Huger, the grand dame, my favorite, wore a lavender suit to her hometown of 250 <laughs> people to participate in a homecoming parade. Bless her heart. Where people were like throwing candy. I, I guess that's a thing, actually. Yeah, people throw candy. Yeah. It seems dangerous. Like you get hit in the eye with like a... A box of dots and... Well, maybe the places it normally happens, the streets aren't so small. Fair enough. Because the people are literally... In her town, they were like five feet from the car. But that... Lav was it lavender? Was it periwinkle? It was a beautiful suit that she wore. It was gorgeous. And by the time you all hear this, there will have been a new episode because we're recording this before that one has come out. Um, so we will sound a little weak behind. But, but when don't we? When don't we? <laughs> and then we started watching the <laughs> new reality. season of The Amazing Race. We did, which we love. We love The Amazing Race here. We'd love to be on The Amazing Race. Well, we Brandon very would love to be I on The Amazing love Race. It. My Aries planets are like, let's race. Yeah, I don't know if I want to put our relationship under that much. Of a microscope? More so just like, pressure on a yeah just like on a burner of pressure but we would just be doing it for the experience like we would not expect to win the amazing race or the one million okay you and your capricorn moon would expect to win and my cancer moon would cry and you know that's true well i'm not giving up the dream yet i'm not ready to cry i told him i was like you should go on it with a friend with who who would i go on it with nick cory would be a great oh my god actually partner for you we would have so much fun I really think you guys would be great oh on it. Oh my God, we would be great on it. And I would cheer you on. It'd be so emotional. I'd be standing off the sidelines I'm as actually, you cross. I'm afraid to have cameras filming me and Nick Corey 24-7. <laughs> like, Nick Corey is my best friend. We are crazy people together. Like, I don't know if I need the world seeing that. And look, it's not that I have no sense of adventure. I really do. But I'd prefer to go to all of these locales 
and like be there vacation. And yeah, that's your tour. <laughs> that's your tourist rising. Totally. My Aries rising is like, let's just check them off the list. I'd be like, but wait, we're in Milan. What are we doing? We're just running through the city. Like, can we stop and see no, a thing? Angel, I want to shop. Race. I want a baguette. No, Angel. <laughs> we're, we can't be on the second plane. Then leave me alone. Oh, but anyhow, man. so yeah, we're into that right now. Yeah, which is fun. So if you want to, if you want to, you know, watch it with us, and yeah, we can take talk the race. amazing race. Take the race with us. And I do want to say real quick and tack it on here is that the movie that I did produce, Bad Hair, is going to be out on Hulu on October 23rd. So it will be just about to come out when this podcast episode releases. Um, it's but, not reality, but it feels real. <laughs> well, it's been my reality really for the last two, honestly, the last like five years we've been developing it. Um, it's been a labor of love and I am incredibly proud of it as well. You should be. It's so fun. It's so funny. It's so spooky. It's so smart. Yeah. It's a good time. It's entertaining, but it does have some really important things to say. It has a fantastic cast in it. Vanessa Williams in an iconic camp performance. <laughs> totally. Um, one of our past uh, spirit talkers, uh, Lena Waithe in it, and then written, directed, and my producing partner, Justin Simeon, who also is a spirit talk from the past. Uh, he did all of those things on it, and I'm just so proud of him and proud to be a part of it. So hope you all check it out. So Bad Hair, The Amazing Race, The Real Housewives of Potomac, and now I'm so excited to get into this spirit talk with, as I say, one of the great loves of my life, Kumbi, who owns Heartbeat House, which is where I've taught yoga for many years, Pilates a long time ago. And I still, even in this pandemic world we're living in, uh, lead the Journey Circle every month, the first Friday of every month through Heartbeat House. I'm teaching people how to take a journey into spiritual realms. So Kumbi is a beautiful intersection of spirituality and physicality and laughter and love. And we're really excited that we get to share this conversation with y'all. And now get ready for this episode's Spirit Talk. So we are sitting here in the spirit room with one of the great loves of my life, Kumbi Butler is a yogi, a budding astrologer, and the owner of Heartbeat House, which is a dance and fitness studio that really services the community in Atwater Village, which is on the east side of Los Angeles. So I can't believe it's taken us this long to get you in here, Kumbi. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Kumbi and I have known each other for a good long time. Kumbi watched my journey from Pilates instructor to yogi and certainly facilitated that and has just been an all-around kind of living spirit guide on my own journey towards a spiritual awakening. So I'm really excited to get to talk to you about all things yoga, chakras, healing, and just general empowerment. Because when I think of Virgo icons, I mm -hmm. think of you. Wow, you do? Yeah, you are like high vibe Virgo to the extreme. I would second that for sure. Wow, okay, that's so funny. Yeah, somebody heard overheard me say um, that I was a Virgo, Sun, Capricorn, Moon, and Leo rising, and then I overheard them say, "Wow, they sound like a beast." <laughs> <laughs> but you're in such good balance. Yeah, I feel pretty balanced. I guess. I mean, I think that's relative, right? 
Yeah. Well, you teach balance, so it makes sense. Yes. Yes. I teach balance, which helps balance me too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you work hard for it. You're very diligent in your yoga practice and the way that you tend to yourself. I think that's the Virgo in you. Yes, definitely. Yeah. That's what it is. The It's the Virgo. It is like the earthy mystic. Like I need to do my practice very regularly, very ritually, very kind of like diligently. And, uh, and that's what grounds me. I even think about the way you are in the kitchen and the way you're like always cooking like big soups or in the garden. And there is this sort of like very earth witch quality to you because you're a Capricorn moon trining your Virgo sun. So there's that earth magic. Yeah. Yeah. But then remember, I told you those are my only two earth. But if you're going to have only two planets in earth, the sun and the moon is a hell of a way to go. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about your practice. Like how has it evolved? What is it looking like these days in pandemic? What was it like when you first started? Yeah. I mean, you know, a practice is to me is just a practice. Like there's just no beginning and no ending. <laughs> so it's constantly evolving and changing. But yeah, I am a Virgo in that I do like to have a regimen <laughs> and a purpose to my practice. Can't just be, um, you know, on my mat and just be like, oh, whatever I feel like doing right now. Like, like, I think like that's me. how you like yeah. to practice. Totally. I'm like, what will I do what, today? What was the what was the one thing called? Improvised intuitive yoga. Intuitive, intuitive movement. Flow. Yeah, intuitive, intuitive flow. <laughs> you and your intuitive flow. Yes. I tried. I tried to do intuitive flow. It's not my favorite practice, but I can do it. I can do it. I kind of like ha- need to have a plan, you know, like when I practice, which is why I always practice in different ways. But of course, I started in Ashtanga, which is very (laughs) planned and very regimented. And I think um, that's probably why I was drawn to it. It was just a set practice every single day. You knew how long it was going to take. You knew what you were going to do. You knew what you were working on. And so it kind of gave you like a baseline of like, oh, couldn't do that. Wonder what's going on. You know, kind of like a thing to like uh, relate everything else to. And then I, you know, flipped it and I did more different, more vinyasa Eve, all kind of still based on Ashtanga, did power yoga. I did my first training in power yoga and, um, you know, it was all very physical for a long time because I started really young and that was the reason, you know, that was the reason why I was drawn to it was because it was so physically fun and challenging. And then of course, you know, as, uh, as I've evolved and aged, Um, my practice has definitely changed. And that's what I love about yoga is that it's just something that I'm never going to not do. It's just something that no, you know, it's something that everybody can practice, whether or not they think they can or not. And, um, and you can do it forever. So um, obviously, my practices, I don't do 90 minutes of Ashtanga every day, but I still do a pretty physical practice. But in the past, I would say, three to four years, my, um, all of my practices have been based on astrology as much as possible, you know, as, as loosely as possible or from, as, from as much as I knew about astrology when I first started doing it. So starting with just like the sun season and what that means, um, and the element, you know, that, that it's in and, um, and then, pairing that up with different moon signs and moon practices, sun and moon practices, and then, you know, adding in, you know, the full moon, new moon eclipses, things like, you know, Mercury retrograde, different things that might kind of sprinkle into your practice. You know, for a long time before I discovered practicing with the cosmos, I just kind of felt like I randomly just did 
different practices. I mean, sometimes on how I felt, sometimes it was like a certain specific theme, a chakra or, you know, working towards something, you know, handstand or some kind of arm balance or something, but nothing has been as like fulfilling and, and has given me like more of a whole connection than studying astrology and doing my yoga practices based on what I know about what's currently happening. It makes me just feel in line with like a greater energy and the, and the cosmos. And so um, when I started teaching that, uh, I think a lot of people also felt the same way. And I was surprised that there wasn't anything like that. I mean, I, I looked it up because I was looking to see, I was for sure thinking that there was somebody who could give me a practice or could tell, you know, tell me how to, how to do it. And, um, and there was nothing, there were cheesy astrology videos on like talking about sun signs of famous yogis. Um, there's always, you know, chakra, chakra based, uh, yoga, but, and then there was not even a conclusive or information about how the planet's line up with the chakras. So I did a lot of that kind of research first, kind of just looking into it again in an effort to find like, find like real purpose and meaning to my practice or to align my practice with something like that. And, and I couldn't really find like consistent information, which was really surprising to me because I just always thought that the, it would, it would be there and I just would, you know, be able to discover it and learn from somebody. But I ended up just going on the journey of like kind of figuring it out myself, which has been great, which has been so fun and so interesting. And I love it. So break it down a little bit for those that are listening. For example, today is the Libra new moon. So sun's in Libra, moon's in Libra. How would you just begin to craft a practice around that basic astrology there? Yes. So I would go with the basic big things. And first of all, I want to say that, do you remember when me and Angel did astrology lessons for yoga that summer? Yeah. (laughs) So that was the very beginning. That was at the very beginning of my journey. I have to say, Angel was uh, one of my first teachers. (laughs) Yes. And you were my best yoga teacher. (laughs) No offense, Brandon. Yeah. I won't take that personally. (laughs) She is the best yoga teacher. I'm not going to deny that. Okay, great. So yeah, so I did, I taught a new moon practice last night. I did a new moon practice this morning, um, new moon in Libra. So new moon practices, of course, we know it's like the darkest night of the, of the month. It's the, to me, the quietest time where we, um, really new moon to me equals forward folds equals folding mm. inward equals tuning inward and also equals third eye closing the physical eyes and just really really getting dark and in inward you know going all the way inside and libra ruled by venus corresponds to our fourth center mm. our fourth chakra so it is um, a light forward fold backbending practice. So interchanging those two. And then also the element of air is even, you know, even brings in another kind of like layer of, you know, energy, which is the lightness, airy balancing. We do a little bit more balancing when we're in an air element um, or when the sun or the moon is in an air element and, uh, and just double down on both of those since it was sun and moon and Libra. And then the theme was, you know, obviously setting, setting an intention or setting a new intention for the new moon phase. But I really like to focus it on, um, 
I know, I know everybody, you know, wants to say Libra, like relationships and partnerships, but really, and I heard you say this in a previous podcast, it is the relationship with yourself that I want everybody to prioritize. And that's like the two pieces of yourself, your inner self, your outer self, and coming into reconnection with that and on a regular basis and, and having that be your baseline guiding force for all other relationships, you know, on top of it. That's great. Venus, Venus fourth chakra is usually about self-love. So for those that aren't familiar, and because I don't think we've ever really talked about them on the mm. podcast, how would you just begin to describe the chakras to somebody? Like, what do they mean to you? And how do you relate to them? Yeah, I'm surprised. You don't talk about them? I mean, I think maybe we've like, not directly or specifically, even though they inform so much of what we do, I don't think we've ever like, just talked about them Mm -hmm. specifically. Yeah, like in a Right. Yeah. Because remember when you were doing, um, weren't you doing meditations or practices based on the, like a different planet for every day of the year or every day of the week? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I've worked with the chakras for many, many years, but I don't think we've ever discussed them in a way where people, I think we just kind of take them for granted. We're kind of like, you know, the chakras, like everybody knows the chakras, but I don't think everybody does exactly. I know people totally don't. (laughs) I mean, I have to say, you know, I'm running a program right now and uh, we do guided meditations every day. And um, I have have to be very, because not all of them are yogis, not all of them are meditators. So I really um, interchange the word chakra for centers, like energy centers, you know, a lot too. Which is great. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. So to me, that's exactly what they are. Energy centers. I mean, there's, you have like a ton of them, but the main ones are on the central axis of your body and they relate to different points in your nervous system. And, um, from the root chakra all the way up to the crown chakra and each one relating to a different part of your body, as well as like, kind of like a different theme of your being. Yeah. So in yoga, it's really easy to, practice or to kind of structure a yoga practice around a chakra because um it's not just physical it's not just i mean it, it, it there's it's like you have there's an infinite amount of themes that you can structure a practice around when you're working with a specific chakra in yoga so for instance like for libra season and it's backbending practice so we basically do backbending practice every single day but the but the variations of the backbending practice you know, are different. You know, you can do balancing backbending, you can do grounding backbending, you can do backbending with twists, you know, you could do backbending, you know, you could do fluid backbending. So it's just, it's just kind of the focus is backbending, even though the practice might look the same in other seasons, it's, it's what you're focusing on. It's what Mm. you're, you know, really working on. And then it's the theme, you know, that goes, goes with it. So for fourth center, it's self-love, it's compassion, it's forgiveness, it's empathy. It's, um, really kind of, you know, tapping into what most say like is the highest vibration of, of being human. Love. Love. Exactly. Yeah. And is yeah. it backbending because you're focusing on heart opening essentially? Exactly. So it's a physical opening as well as an energetic opening. And then it's like an emotional opening too. But that is one of the things that I always like to interject is that even though it's fourth center and even though, yes, I generally say backbending, doing like eagle arms or doing things where the arms are in front and you're opening the back of your heart Mm -hmm. or the space between your shoulder blades is also fourth chakra work. 
I always feel like that's where you're receiving love and connection. Like you give from the front and you receive through the back. Right. And then I also always say too, like the back is sometimes like the past mm. and the front is the present and the future moving forward. Yeah. So kind of like opening up and kind of releasing maybe something that you might be holding in your upper back back there. Yeah. Um, is also part of a fourth chakra practice. Like too much heart protection, maybe. Yeah, too much heart protection or maybe doing some, you know, healing work from an old heartbreak or, you know, just anything that might be still, you know, having some sort of effect on you from your past. So we'll be into moving into Scorpio season as this comes out. What then would, how would Scorpios work as yes. far as like chakra yoga combo? <laughs> You know, Scorpio is Mars as well as Pluto, right? So, um, but I don't really go off of like just the traditional. I kind of do more of the modern stuff. So, so Pluto to me is definitely more second chakra work because of, and Scorpio being the intense uh, emotional water sign relates to me to the second chakra. But the the thing is that like the sacral chakra where we hold an a lot of our deeper emotions. Mm -hmm. um, but what's interesting is that Sagittarius ruled by Jupiter is also second chakra. So we actually get two seasons back to back focus on the same chakra, but it's, in, but it's like two different sides of the same coin. Mm. So Scorpio is like working with the shadow, working with like some of like the deeper underlying unconscious things that we need to kind of bring up and bring through. And sometimes that can feel very cathartic and sometimes that can feel very dark and intense, right? So I like to be really, really heavy on like the emotional stuff, you know, just like do the sappy emotional meditation, play the sappy emotional music, you know, just like get people into that space where it's where they can just go into that space that they're normally <laughs> don't want to go because it's not very convenient. Whereas when you move into Sagittarius and then um, it's Jupiter and they say, you know, hips being like the biggest joint in your body, Jupiter being the biggest planet in our solar system. And then you, but you, but it's like more like fun, like big hip openers, you know, bigger movements, you know, a lot more like upbeat, a lot more expansive, a lot less, you know, a lot less dark. So you kind of go into the darkness of Scorpio season and then you come out into the light of um, Sagittarius season, but you're still working on your hips. And I could work on my hips all year round. So <laughs> I love that. That makes a lot of sense, though, because it's using Scorpio season to kind of clear out so that there's more space to experience like joy and connection yeah. and the the lighter side of, of that sacral chakra once you've kind of moved through the heavier, stuck, stagnant side of things. Yes, yes, totally. Yeah, it actually reminds me of even what you were saying about sort of like one side of the body being the past and then like sort of the present future. It's almost like Scorpio because it is where we sort of bury the, you know, the past experiences into the subconscious. And then so Scorpio season being a time to sort of, yeah, release and integrate that. And then Sag where it's very much about exploring, right? Like yes. exploring your passions, what excites you, what, you know, so there is like a present and even forward motion element to that too, which is cool. Yes, yes, totally. I mean, it is almost like to be even to be able to get into the place where you can really appreciate the exploration and the expansion and the and the bigness of like what um, you can experience with Jupiter. Yeah. 
All right. Well, speaking of the past, <laughs> I'd like to take a little trip through time and I'd like to just think about like, you know, little Kumbi and when was Kumbi first connecting to spirituality? Because you talk about yoga being primarily physical at first. So I'm wondering like, when did the deeper mystical side of, of your practice or even just your seeking, was that there when you were younger or did it take the physical yoga to kind of steep you in a deeper more esoteric tradition. My pa parents were both Quaker. We grew up Quaker. And that's a very kind of like hippie kind of a, <laughs> a yeah, thing Yeah, that's anyway. spiritual AF. I love the Quakers. <laughs> totally, totally. So, and that was just a, like a regular thing that was integrated into our weekly schedule. I used to go to Quaker, you know, summer camp, you know, with my friends. I mean, it was just, um, you know, both my parents meditated. Like we, like, you know, like in, like just in the open, like it wasn't like a, you know, thing that they were doing and we didn't know what they were doing. You know, it was like, we're meditating now, you know, closing your eyes and just sitting there. Um, so it was not something that I guess I just kind of grew up with it in a way, but not, but it wasn't like spiritual, you know, it was just like, that's just the way that it things are. And that's the way that we do things. And, you know, and growing up in Boulder, it was very open-minded and people were, you know, that's just, people did that. <laughs> so, um, and, um, and my dad was also very like Zen, like, like he loved to like talk about Zen things and talk about how to meditate when you're hiking and how you just, you know, take one step, you know, he would just like, but some, but he would just talk about it. Like, it was just like, like, that's just an interesting thing to talk about. Not like, um, this is your spiritual lesson for today, you know? So I guess I just kind of grew up with like a little, a lot of that already. And it wasn't something that I was really aware of until maybe like probably my Saturn return, I would say like in my late tw later 20s, you know, after like all of the partying and moving to LA and all of that, you know? Yeah. I mean, isn't that what it is? I mean, you fall back on a spiritual practice when you kind of have to, right? When you're going through like a really, you know, some sort of breakthrough or transformation or difficult time or existential crisis. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So then I think like from there, it started to become a little bit more serious, but I started doing yoga when, you know, with my mom at like 16, you know, 15, like, right, like right after, um, I used to do gymnastics. I was used to be a competitive gymnast and I hurt my back and went to a chiropractor and I, all these things. And then I started going to yoga with my mom and that was like kind of the thing that, um, that shifted for me. So, you know, I think that this is the, um, this is the Virgo thing in me, the Virgo Capricorn thing in me, the earth thing in me, the practical thing in me. I like to, I like more to think about it as like, um, like a practical mystic. I feel like I'm kind of like the, um, can be and have been a lot of times a gateway, kind of like the gateway drug for people, you know, the, the, the pathway from, um, being really of your body and physical and um, identifying with that into, you know, using that, using yoga, using the physical practice of yoga or asanas into, you know, to leap into uh, bigger, bigger things, deeper realms, you know. Yeah, yeah you sneak it in. Yeah. And you, you catch people off guard because you're so accessible in the way that you talk about some of these big spiritual concepts. And I think that you do open up people that maybe would never know that they're interested in that in the first place. I even think about like the full moon ceremonies that we used to lead together. 
Do you remember those? Of course I remember those. I love those. And we had the crystals and the practices and we even taught people shamanic journeying and it was this whole... Oh yeah, it was a ritual. It was like a whole journey that we took people through from like start to finish. And they weren't necessarily people that... Um, had I've done any of that stuff before. <laughs> totally. But they kept coming back. But they kept coming back. Because I do think that sometimes, and this is the wisdom of Virgo and Capricorn and Taurus too, that we go through the physical first. Like the spiritual isn't something that we have to move through these esoteric realms to get at. It's like right here. And the first threshold is the most tangible one. Right. Which is our body. Right, right. And I think we all go through you know, physical body identification. I mean, I think like most of us spend the majority of our lives in that, right? So that's like easy, you know, that's easy to access. That's easy to like, to, you know, to have people relate to, you know, for sure. But the, yeah, but the real true practices is using your body as like a vessel and as a tool, right? So like you said, like it's the, it's the first layer, right? It's the first, first sheath, right? The koshas, the five koshas. It's that first sheath that, um, that you move through. It's not the end all and be all. And then, but, and, and if you think that it is, then that's when, you start to run into some problems and that's when you start to feel, you know, get into some of the suffering that can come with that. And then it's not just over identification with your body because, um, that, you know, it's not like denying the body either. It's totally like enjoying the body and enjoying being physical, enjoying being strong. I mean, this is like the ladies, you know, who, um, take my other classes, my fitness classes too. It's like, you know, it's so, you feel so much more powerful when you're just physically strong and physically able, you know, it's like to be able to like, you know, lift things by yourself or reach for something, you know, on your own or, you know, you know, just different things. It's just for, especially for like, as a woman, I believe that it just, it, it's incredibly empowering to be physically strong. So there's that too, where you can enjoy the physicality, um, but, you know, s still be able to go beyond it and not just identify with that. So that's when the, you know, the spirituality stuff comes in, I guess. Yeah. When I feel like that's, I think that's what is meant uh, when you think of the idea of being an earth witch, right? Which is why I think you, we identify you as an earth witch, because it is understanding that physical and using it as not just a vessel, but a portal, Yes. Into your own magic. Yes. But to also know that it's like a very small percentage, you know, of what is there. So you have an amazing magical daughter, Tiger Lily. Do you have any sort of conversations about spirituality or how do you share some of your earth witchiness with her? I think it's the same as like when I was growing up, like the, our stuff has just, my stuff with her has always just been integrated into our day to day. Yeah. She knows, you know, full moon ceremonies, new moon ceremonies, when it's a new moon, what astrological season it is. Like she probably knows more about, um, you know, meditate. I mean, she probably, I don't know, kids these days though, especially in LA, they're pretty, they're, you know, everybody's kind of on the same page with some of those things. But yeah, I hear her sometimes where um, she's talking to her friends about her. She's a, she's a Gemini with the Pisces moon, you know, and her friends are like, what or like her cousins in Colorado. Like they definitely are like, don't really understand what she's saying. So I, so when I hear her talking to her friends just casually, 
about that stuff, I realize that we do. That's that's just kind of how we 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 are. That's how the things that we talk about. It's like it's not like a special subject per se. It's just kind of like how things are. So, and that's what's so amazing about having having kids, really, or being around kids. I think that they're naturally just inclined to, you know, they're just naturally more spiritual <laughs> because they haven't yeah. been like so um, already in the washing machine of the physical world yet. And so um, so their minds are so open. So I kind of think more like she teaches me, you know, or has taught me, you know, so much more about about it, too. So I don't think that it's a coincidence that it was during my time being a mother for the past 10 years already that my spiritual practice has grown exponentially, you know? Yeah. And just curious because we're living through obviously one of the most insanely challenging times. What is it like to have been a parent over the last year? I have to say it's not so terrible. I mean, I don't want to say it's better, but it's not bad. It's not, it hasn't been bad, you know, as a parent during this time, mm -hmm. but she's a great kid. She's an easy kid. JB and I have a great relationship as far as just prioritizing her all the time. So, I mean, I think like with most families that are, you know, used to run around so much before on different schedules, like it has kind of brought us closer in a way because you know, she's either with me or she's either with him or she's either with both of us. Um, so up till now, what has been one or two of the greatest lessons that the last 10 years of being a mother has taught you? I know. It's so interesting. You guys are talking about motherhood and stuff. I heard, Brandon, you on the other podcast, you said that you're feeling your biological clock ticking. Yeah. It's true. Is it true? I mean, Angel knows all the time. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm always like, I'm always like, are we gonna have a kid or what? <laughs> oh, my oh my gosh. But it's a slow tick, Kumbi. It's a slow tick. Well, so don't hold your breath. Well, you know what you were, I mean? Yes, but still, I don't think I would have heard that from you five years ago. You certainly would not have. Yeah, me either. <laughs> <laughs> I know. What about your what about that. your clock, Angel? I don't know. I feel like my clock is slowed snoozed. down with my it's metabolism snoozed. and metabolic clock. My whole clocks are slowing down. <laughs> I mean, he'd be such a great dad. I don't know. I, I personally, I just want, I want that experience. Yep. It's the best. I think I'm old enough now. Like I'm old enough and I've been kind of brought out far enough into the world in quotation marks that the idea of getting to spend time with a child who's like closer to the purity of existence feels really nourishing and fun and like the next journey. Yeah, it is. It's And it's very much of a spiritual journey for sure. In so many ways, I feel like we could relate it to all of the planets too. But, um, but for sure, I mean, it's so hard. It's really, really hard, especially in the beginning. Saturn. So it's all Saturn. I mean, in <laughs> yes, in that in that beginning, I would say Saturn and Pluto. In the beginning, when they're changing so much and everything is so crazy and in disarray, and you're just in survival mode when they're babies, and then when they're crazy toddlers, and then when you know, just so many things, and especially, yeah, it's it's just like a whole it's a whole new world, and it's and it's um and it's very intense. But so I'm very glad that we're not in that phase, and I'm not in that phase with Tiger. Um, anymore. And, uh, and as she gets older, it just gets better, you know, because their personalities are so um, interesting, and they become so funny. And you just see them like, um, 
you know, yeah, turn into their own person. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very intense journey. It's so, it's so, so, so intense. And it's so self-revealing as far as, you know, you learn so much about yourself (laughs) on so many levels. So it's the best, it's the, yeah, the best spiritual teacher for sure. I can only imagine. I mean, I'm also terrified of the idea, especially just around like control, right? Because here's something that you love so much that's totally outside of your control, right? And that feels horrifying. Yeah. (laughs) And you want to control it and you want to control it just like you want to control everything. But you just, just like you, when I was listening to you talk about your burn, you wanted to control the healing, you wanted to control, you know, it's like you want to control it, but you just can't. Yeah. It's a big lesson in surrender and, um, and self-discovery because you learn so Mm -hmm. much about your emotions and your emotional body. It's pretty major. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. So this year, astrology, astrologically speaking, has been one of the most transformative. We're all speak astrology here. We know the Saturn, the Pluto, the Jupiter, all the Capricorn, you know, so it's obviously been affecting you. So I'm just curious, as someone who is aware of astrology, knowing that this has been a, a massively transformative year, have and, and, you know, dealing with structures, all of these things that all, they all play out with, how have you seen it show up in your life? And do you feel like you've been able to lean into the transformation? Yeah. Of um, this year? Well, probably like you guys, I had been hearing about 2020, right? We'd been hearing about 2020, about how intense it was going to be. It started with that Saturn-Pluto conjunction in January. And like, you know, and so astrologers were talking about it, been hearing about it on podcasts. I think that I, and that's what I love about astrology. You kind of get a little bit, you kind of can have some time to prepare yourself for, for something major, right? But then, and I was telling Brandon this the other day, you don't ever really know if it's just gonna, if it's just like metaphorical, if it's just symbolic, whereas like first th- this year, it was like everything has been very literal. So, yeah. um, <laughs> but, you know, at the same time, I feel like I was really ready for it in a way, um, in a physical way, because um, I'm sure a lot of people are, are thinking about this looking back, but the the rat race and the pace of my life and all of the things that I was juggling before the pandemic and before the quarantine um, was insane. So when we had to close the studio, when Tiger had to not, Tiger couldn't go to school anymore. And um, I don't know, it was kind of like a welcome change for me just on a personal level. Of course, you know, everything going on is is frightening and crazy but it has been kind of frightening and crazy for a while (laughs) so um it was it was just kind of like the next the next level (laughs) so I don't know I mean this is why I have a spiritual practice I mean I'm not trying to be callous or not or insensitive or not take things seriously but I mean I've you know i I was able to rely on the tools that I've always practiced to keep myself grounded. And then, and even more so to delve to, it was like an opportunity to delve into it even more deeply. So yeah, it's been a lot of changes. 
Um, but I can't say that they weren't like kind of welcome changes. We'd been planning an online studio for a long time. So by the time, so when we had to switch over, it was really like we did it pretty quickly. And I think we were one of the first, first studios that were, was able to do it because we were already kind of three quarters of the way into the process of doing it. So it was just kind of like speeding it up the last part, you know, and then being home. I mean, I was like rarely ever home. You guys, I don't know if you guys feel that way, but. Well, I feel that you were one of the busiest people I ever knew in my entire <laughs> life. Like your life was so scheduled. It was just outrageous because you were so responsible and you still are. I mean, to so many teachers and so many clients and to your family. And so I can only imagine that. <laughs> yeah, I was busy, but I was nowhere near as busy as you were. I girl, know, I know. So I do. I'm a scheduler. I'm an overscheduler. Oh my gosh. That's probably one of the things that Tiger would say about me with her schedule. <laughs> The awareness that I had was last week, we kind of ventured out to go to a drive-in and I was driving Friday night on the freeways. Haven't done that in a long time. Everybody's back. And I was like really stressed out because I haven't driven a lot in the last few months. And my nervous system was just like on edge because I was like all these lights and it's dark and these cars. And I, I was just thinking like, I don't know if we were like built to deal with all this shit, but we've become so desensitized to it. Like the speed and the pitch of life got to such a point that we were just like, well, this is what life is. But maybe that's not who we really are. Like we're softer, gentler. Well, definitely, probably a lot of people are running around and doing all of the stuff that distract them from really looking and finding that relationship with themselves within. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So we could all use a lot more downtime cultivating <laughs> that relationship <laughs> with our deeper self. Yeah. And if we did do that, then, um, then yeah, then I, then I think if, I think if we all did do that, then I think we could even do more things, you know, you could even be, you know, more productive or more inspired or more, you know, like the synchronicities might be even, you know, like I, it's just, it's just the word, we're just a culture and in a time and in a moment where we're addicted to um, the external. Mm -hmm. Addicted to distraction. Addicted to distraction. Mm -hmm. Exactly. To the point where you don't even, you can't even remember who you are anymore. Who are you again? <laughs> I know. Well, you know what? I would say if you, anybody asks you who you are, you have to say the highest version of yourself. So what is the highest version of yourself, Brandon? Oh, shit. Putting it back on me. Um, honestly, you know, the way I like think of myself these days is like, I'm just like a wizard on the road. <laughs> that's like the, that's like the personal myth making that I'm working with these days. A it's wizard like, on the road? I'm just like a wizard on the road, you know, like sometimes people like their car breaks down and I can like help them. And I like, I'm never in any one place for too long. And I'm just like, I'm making magic and experiencing my own magic. And I'm just, I'm on the road. I'm like always kind of moving. I don't know where I'm moving towards and I don't look back too much, but I'm just kind of a wizard on the road. <laughs> I'm sure that's not, you that. know, a satisfying answer to anyone, but it's <laughs> satisfies me right now. You know, like I'm just a wizard that's on great. the road. I would love to, um, the adventures of the wizard on the road <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely seriously. needs to be uh, like animated, a, like a probably. book series yeah, or, or something. something. Yeah. yeah. Yes. What about no, you? No, you, you are one of the most, um, you've transformed the most, I feel like, out of anyone <laughs> I've known in the, in the amount of time I've known you. Wow. Well, 
Thank you for saying but that. Not, but not in a way that was like weird because I <laughs> always thought, I always thought the first time we ever had that conversation, I was like, why don't you teach yoga? And you were like, I know. But um, I always thought that you were a wizard on the road. Well, thank you. You saw me. What about you? Who are you these days? What's your higher self? No. So I would say, yeah, if I'm going to co- connect back to my deeper, or if I'm going to connect back to that deeper part of deeper self, then, and somebody asked me who I was, and I would say that that's who I was. And of course my deeper self, just like everybody's deeper self is like the most loving, the most joyful, the most happy, the most connected, the most aware, the most present, you know, all of that. Yeah. That would be that would be who I am. Angel. You think you're gonna get out of this conversation alive? <laughs> I thought I was sitting in the back of the bus. Girl. You've been called to the front of the class, Mr. Lopez. Well, I happen just so happen to have prepared a song. Oh, I'm great. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been amazing. Uh okay. So the question who am I? Who is the highest at the highest version of myself? It's a loose question. Yeah. Right. Yes. Who am I these days? I don't know if I have anything as inspired as the wizard on the road. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've, if I've gotten a <laughs> six-picture deal at Warner Brothers um, with my story. Uh, I mean, I think who I am is, I don't know, I'm just like an emotion-filled mystic and storyteller. I also feel like I'm a bit more of a narrator these days too, which is nice. I think I was like a character in my story. And now I'm this year, I've allowed myself to become more the narrator of my story. I guess the way I can break it down too is every morning I do this prayer and I just ask, you know, spirit to guide me toward my most creative, confident, joyful, loving, healthy, well, abundant self. Ooh, say that again for the children. <laughs> My most creative, confident, joyful, loving, healthy, well, abundant self. That's beautiful. Love that. And what's been interesting is that at the beginning of this year, I would always say, please guide me toward the path of being. So I always was like, as if I were like trying to get to that person. And I've now shifted it really just in the most recent months, really weeks maybe to like, allow me to continue being my most creative, confident. So I'm really just allow. I think that's even kind of the shift of like this character I'm trying to be as opposed to now just being the character, you know? Yes, yes, yes. Allowing yourself just to be that character. Exactly. So. Yeah, I love that. I love that. That's what it is to me that has shifted to. And, and that's, I feel like, the, almost one of the literal translations of the, they call it the COVID cluster. Yeah, right. The COVID, the COVID <laughs> club. The COVID cluster. I call the it COVID the club. dumpster fire planets. <laughs> I just call it the Capricorn trio. But yeah, that's the lesson. The lesson is to um, like freaking stop. Like everybody just stop doing what you're doing and start being and start allowing. We think we have to do so much, right? We think we have to do, 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 do. I mean, I'm saying this for myself for sure. And then, but yeah, the reminder is just allow, just allow for it, right? Just, just like receive And I love just to bring it back to yoga as we kind of bring this in for a landing, that physical practice is the way you resensitize yourself, like to your body and your heart and yourself. 
Like it's a process of allowing. It's an it's an allowing practice because yes, so much of this world is kind of doing the opposite to us, numbing us, pulling us away from ourselves, encouraging us to reach outwards. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it's it's like yeah. It's just it's like a embracing just another part of you and integrating it to you know, with the rest of you. Yeah. I think that's, that's so important. Well, that was kind of something I realized with the burn, actually, when I was present to how incredible my body is and what it can do without my interference. And I realized that like the yoga, the Qigong, like these aren't things I do for me. Like these are things I need to do for my body. Cause like my body requires that sort of offering. And funnily enough, it, it's easier for me to do it when I think of it that way. Because I'm like, okay, it's not for me, even though I benefit from it. And I am, I am my body, but my body is also this other thing. Yeah. And so it's like an offering. Exactly. Yeah. Your body's like an animal that you need to take care of. Totally. <laughs> I know. The same with the same diligence and care that we take care of Noche. Exactly. Yes. And you really do take care of Noche. <laughs> we, we, over, <laughs> we over caretake. Yeah, he's overscheduled as well. Yeah, he is overscheduled. <laughs> he's got gymnastics soon, so we probably got to wrap this up. Wait, what about his Reiki? <laughs> and then his, uh, didn't you see a dog psychic? Oh, yeah. Brenda, the dog psychic from Florida. Yes. She was amazing. What did she say, though? What did she say he was saying? Well, it was when he hurt his back and we were trying to get more information about that. And she was able to kind of take us through the steps of where he twisted his back and talked us through our neighborhood. And that was pretty amazing. Yeah. But she was also the one that was like, he wants a portrait of himself somewhere <laughs> in the house, which we finally fulfilled because he's a Leo. So he <laughs> wanted a photo of him in the house. Lavender. We were supposed to be rubbing lavender on him. Snowy, which we loves, do sometimes. Snowy loves lavender. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, now he has a lavender colored bed that that's true. lives underneath his portrait that he loves to sleep in. That is hilarious. He loves to so, sleep under his portrait. He does. <laughs> so he's living large. You got to take a picture of that. That's hilarious. Oh, I think we have. We'll send it to you. Yeah. Well, the truth is, is that we could all talk forever and ever and just like have a key here. But I think we should probably wind this down and pull a tarot card for the episode. Yeah. So, I'm going to try something new with Kumbi here. And even though she can't technically pull the card, as I shuffle the cards and everybody kind of tunes in here, I'm going to have Kumbi tell me when, and that'll be when I pull the card. But first, let's just uh, take a moment and just kind of listen into the sound of the cards being shuffled, trusting that this message will resonate no matter the future place or time to which you listen to this episode. Just asking for one card that gives us a clean message, an indication of how to move forwards with the energies that we're currently experiencing. All right, so now Kumbi, I'm just kind of like thumbing through the cards and take as long as you need to tell me when you think I should stop and that'll be the card. Stop. Oh, I felt that. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's the five of swords reversed. So swords are the air element, so very Libra. And fives in the tarot are these really necessary contractions, these moments, kind of like we're experiencing in 2020, where everything stops. And it's the contraction that precedes the expansion. And sometimes it's the contraction that is after the expansion. You know, it's this never-ending cycle of inhale and exhale. 
But the five of swords is often this mental contraction. It's this awareness of how you're essentially getting in your own way. And I think it's actually really beautiful to talk about this card in relationship to the last thing we were talking about, which is this idea that in our attempts to get somewhere, to achieve, we reach outwards, we're running, but it's really just a hamster wheel. We're leaking all of this energy. Whereas if we could just sit still and turn inwards, whatever it is that we're seeking would kind of just appear because really anything that we're trying to find is inside of ourselves in the first place. And so this card is really a reminder to pay attention to all of the thoughts, the patterns, the limitations, even the things you think you have to do that are actually getting in the way of the greater story that you're trying to tell with your life. And in the reverse position to me, it would just indicate that it's surprising sometimes. The things that have served us so well for so long at a certain point in our evolution become the things that hold us back. And that's the thing that you said at the very beginning of this conversation about your practice is always evolving. And I think that's so important for all of us, no matter what our practice is, a yoga practice, a writing practice, a teaching practice, to make sure that we're not holding on and staying tight when things want to keep flowing forwards. Because holding tight leaks just as much energy as giving it all away. Right. Yep. And, you know, traditional tarot readers, when they look at this card, because it's three figures and there's all these swords and there's blood on the ground and, and it's like the aftermath of a war like a war that you've been fighting with yourself. And so I think the medicine of this card is where you decide like, I'm tired enough to just lay my sword down and stop fighting with myself, stop fighting against myself. And like you said, just allow. Mm -hmm. So well selected. Yeah. So tell everybody where they can find you and find, you know, all of the online classes Heartbeat House has to offer. Where do they go? Yeah, so you can go to heartbeathouse.com. You can follow Heartbeat House on Facebook or Instagram. We're, the studio is still in Atwater. We're seeing how it goes. Probably closed at least for the rest of the year. But the online studio is going. We have virtual classes, live stream, as well as on-demand. And we're also starting a new on-demand library where you can have a monthly subscription to access any of the classes that you want to for as long as you want. Um, and they are different than the live stream Zoom classes. They're pre-recorded professionally. And um, so we're going to have those. And then we'll also have more programs. Right now we're doing um, Calm Mind Strong Body program, which is so fun and so great where you get to do an unlimited amount of classes as well as get guided daily meditations and journaling prompts and um, and a, like private support community and group. And um, and it's so great. It's It's so much fun. It's exactly what... I think everybody needs right now is just relax your mind a little bit and let's just become a little bit physically and, you know, stronger and healthier and more resilient. Amazing. Yeah. And it's great. It's always been a really like strongly diverse, inclusive environment that you've cultivated there. Yes. Yes. Which we're doing our first DEI training tomorrow. I know. I'm so excited. I'll be so there. So excited. It's so exciting. We have the best anti-racist coach. And it's been great. Everybody's really on board and really um, into it. So it's such a great community, not just of 
clients, but also I feel like of teachers too. Like it's almost brought us a little closer together because I have to do these, you know, check-ins with them more regularly. Well, you've done such a great job cultivating the community because especially in Los Angeles where so many fitness, dance and yoga studios are so sceny and so elitist and uncomfortable. Like Heartbeat House has always felt just like a casual neighborhood place where you can just come as you are and there's no pretense and it's just a very accepting place online and off. So that's on you. Yes. That's on you, Virgo Capricorn queen. (laughs) Virgo Capricorn Leo beast. Leo beast. (laughs) There you go. What a beast. Sounds like a beast. (laughs) So thank you guys so much. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us, open yourself up. We really appreciate it. Um, and, uh, if you want to know more about the spiritual gaze, you can always find us at, uh, spiritualgaze.com, or you can find us on Instagram at the spiritual gaze, Twitter, spiritual gaze, Facebook, uh, or you can just email us at the spiritual gaze at gmail.com. And if you haven't left us a review or rated us five stars, the next episode, we're going to read some of those reviews on the show. So take a moment. If you get something from this show, it would mean so much to us if you would just give back a little bit of your time to just help us grow this offering. And we're so grateful for your hearts and your ears and your engagement with all of us here at the Spiritual Case Headquarters. So thanks for being here. Until next time, this has been your transit through... The The Spiritual spiritual game. Game!